I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simeu, and on this edition of the show, we're going to try and make sense of the ton of transfer stories slash links uh, related to Arsenal floating around the World Wide Web at the moment. The World Wide Web, of course, including social media, where this stuff is rife at the moment. The season's done um, and people are looking ahead, rightly so, but there are a lot of stories going around that I just don't feel have that much to them. And it's interesting because one of the difficulties uh, going into a summer transfer window, obviously the window's not open officially just yet, but one of the difficulties I always find is, particularly particularly at the beginning, sorry, um, what happened there uh what i find really difficult is to kind of be able to kind of siphon out what kind of makes sense what doesn't and i think one of the the big things you need to sort of trust here is your ability to kind of just look at something and go well does that make sense yes it does maybe there could be something in that does it sound like a, a bit of rubbish probably then actually let's move that out of the way and, and not get too bogged down by it so we're going to try and do that today because there are a ton of stories as i say doing the rounds. On this show, we're going to talk Mason Mount. We're going to talk following Balogun. We're going to talk Victor Ossiman. We're going to talk Declan Rice. We're going to talk James Madison, Martin Odegaard, Wilfred Nonto, Arda Guler, Elie Wahi. We're going to talk um, Karen Benzema. There is loads and loads and loads for us to get through. So I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, it might be a slightly longer one than usual. So strap yourselves in, get yourselves a drink, put your feet up, enjoy, relax. And um, yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. I, I want to say a few hellos uh, first up to those of you that are joining us in the live chat. It's good to see uh, so many of you with us from the start. Really, really do appreciate the love and support. And I also appreciate that the times of these live streams have been all over the shop uh, over the last week. And I did say that I was going to try and um, and regulate that a little bit. I haven't been able to do it, unfortunately, due to work commitments, and it's not going to get any better in the next couple of weeks. So just a bit of foresight uh, with regards to that. I will make sure that I deliver content every day. That's kind of my um, main goal and objective, and, and I should be able to maintain that. But the times might just be a little bit hit and miss. So I do apologize for that. I am away next week from Wednesday uh, going out to Istanbul to work around the UEFA Champions League final. And I'm going to get to interview some Champions League legends, which is going to be amazing fun. Uh, 90 men sending me out there. So I'm really, really grateful for that opportunity. And I will keep across what's going on with Arsenal and we will drop content while I'm out there. It just might be in a slightly shorter form and it'll probably be pre-recorded. So just a bit of warning there um, that the format just might slightly differ during that period of time. But hey, we're going to keep you across all the latest Arsenal news, give you something to listen to, uh, give you something to have a go at me for in the comments section, if you're that way inclined. Uh, don't forget, before we dive into the actual stories, to leave a like on the video. If you've been here before, you know what to expect. Why not leave a like from now? It really, really does help. Also, subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new. That helps as well. And if you're listening to us uh, on audio, then please do leave us a review too. That helps 
as well. Okay, let's start off then uh, with a story with regards to Serie and with regards to Serie being a potential destination for one of our players. Now, in recent weeks, we talked about Thomas Partey potentially going there and we talked about various others that we could potentially move on to go and play in Serie But I don't think this name has been mentioned with regards to Serie too often previously. And that is the name following Balogun. Now, of course, he has um, he has had a, a wonderful season over in France. We've talked about it countless times. 20 league goals, three assists in 30 appearances in the French Ligue 1, which has been, you know, a, a remarkable return for someone who was very unproven at sort of that type of level. You have to say that always been a bright prospect. He's always been someone that people have spoken very, very highly about. But I had doubts whether he could go on to that next level. And he's still not, I would say, at the Premier League level, which I think is a level above the, the French League, where he's gone and, and done some, some really good work. But the French League is one of the top five leagues in Europe, you'd probably say. And so to be delivering in that league at his age, at this stage in his career, and to turn around and return like that, not even necessarily playing for one of the big French clubs, traditionally, you have to say is really, really impressive. But the report linking following Balogun with a move to Italy comes from John Cross of the Mirror, who says that Napoli have identified following Balogun as a replacement for Victor Ossiman, who could be departing uh, from there this summer. Now, of course, there's going to be changes at Napoli this summer. You know, they've just won the Scudetto. Wonderful achievement. The celebrations were wild. I'm sure you all saw the videos and, and the, the sort of social posts going around, just really kind of encapsulating how amazing the scenes were in Naples and what it meant to the people, to the city. Um, we've already heard that Luciano Spalletti, the coach, is moving on. Um, no falling out, no issues, not being sacked or anything like that. He asked to take some time away. He's asked to sort of have his contract broken as such so that he can go and, and have the rest that he claims he needs. Um, he's got a young kid, I understand as well, and he wants to spend some time with his kid. And he, he says he needs a year, basically, to just kind of get himself um sort of recharged and ready for whatever the next challenge in football might be. But it's really interesting because although there's probably going to be quite a bit of change at Napoli this summer and, you know, them looking at following Balogun isn't a wild story or, or a wild claim. What you have to say is if Arsenal are looking for 30, 35, maybe even 40 million euros for following Balogun in the event that Victor Osimhen does depart for a lot of money, you know, there's a good chance that Napoli would be one of the clubs actually willing to cough up what it is that we're looking for for following Balogun. But he's got to make a decision as well. He's got to be happy with that move as well. I read a tweet earlier today from Damesh Seth who said that following Balogun is leaning towards that permanent move away. I'm sure Arsenal are going to try and persuade him to stay. Or, or, you know, convince him of the fact that he will get minutes if he stays at Arsenal. I think that's what they'll be doing to kind of try and manage the player's situation as best as possible. But I think, you know, they might be saying that to him and they might be wanting to protect, you know, their interests by showing him the love after he produced such a wonderful 
season and, and a, a fantastic, um, you know, return off the back of that. But I think quietly in the background, Edu, Mikel Arteta, those calling the shots will be thinking, okay, it will be nice to keep him. But if we do get the kind of offer that makes it very, very tempting, and he is unsure himself about where his future lays and whether his future is at Arsenal Football Club, then maybe it is worth just exploring the options, understanding how much money Arsenal can bring in and and how that then impacts the rest of their window and how that helps in their pursuit of the likes of Declan Rice, of Moises Caicedo, as we keep hearing. So I think this is interesting. What I don't want to see is Arsenal be low-balled. I think that Balogun's progress in France naturally means that there's going to be French interest. We've heard Monaco are interested and a couple of other French clubs have been mentioned as well. Uh, There's also talk about RB Leipzig in Germany, um, who we know are pretty well off as well. So what I don't want to see Arsenal do is is sort of just accept any old offer because following Balogun wants to leave. Actually, we're in a really strong position when it comes to him in terms of the negotiations. And we should be able to set our stall out, name our price and just wait. You know, and Balogun might push from his side and he might, you know, be sort of knocking on Mikel Arteta and Edu's doors and saying, you know, please let me go. I want to go and play regular football. That's fair enough. But we've got to show ourselves to not be a soft touch as a football club. A bit like we did with the Joe Willock situation. I always reference this as a a sort of parallel to the Balogun situation in that the player went out on loan, did brilliantly and managed to work himself into a place where his stock was at its absolute peak. If following Balogun comes back to Arsenal, is a bit part player, scores a few goals in the cup competitions, whatever, gets a few minutes here and there. Nobody will be talking about him as a 30, 35, maybe 40 million pound striker. The the fact that he's just done what he's done puts him in this position and means that, you know, there'll be no shortage of suitors. It means that clubs will be willing to pay what Arsenal want to get him out, which benefits him if indeed he wants to go off and play football and play it more regularly and at a high level. But it also benefits Arsenal as well. So this probably is the time to cash in on following Balogun. As much as I think he's a great prospect and I like him and I think he's got a lot of qualities, this could well be the time to say, you know what, off you go. But Napoli, if they do sell Victor Osimhen and he is brought in or, or they do attempt to bring him in as a replacement for Victor Osimhen, won't be short of a few quid. So we can't allow them to get away with murder. The same with RB Leipzig, who we know financially are pretty well off as well. There's, you know, there's a, a real need to kind of stamp our authority in the transfer market this summer, not just with regards to the players that we go out and try and bring in, but also with the way we sell. How many times have we talked about Arsenal being bad sellers? How many times have we talked about us not being able to get market value for our players? How many times have we talked about us having to really dig into the depths of our pockets to find change to sign players because we have had yet another summer where we didn't bring in any significant money. So I think there's an opportunity here for Arsenal. I'm not saying that that following Balogun is going to go to Italy. I actually think that of all the clubs mentioned, 
Monaco, RB Leipzig. I actually think that Napoli is probably the least likely destination. I have to say that. And a lot will depend when it comes to Napoli on who comes in as the manager as well. Talk of Luis Enrique, uh, but they're not sure about him just yet. I don't think he's 100% sure about the project either. Tough job that, because how do you follow on from Spalletti and his achievements? It's a difficult one. Um, so I don't think this is the most likely outcome, i.e. Balogun going to Napoli. But it certainly kind of reiterates the point that I've been making for a few weeks now, which is his stock right now is very high and he's going to be linked with a number of clubs as a result of the return that he put in this season. And uh, perhaps, you know, we'd be better off, although he's a player with a lot of potential, perhaps we'd be better off cashing in on that now and perhaps we'd be better off taking full advantage of that now because it might not, that opportunity might not present itself again in the near future. So, um, yeah, that's the uh, following Balogun bit. OK, let's take it on. Uh, we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks about Declan Rice. What is going on with Declan Rice? Arsenal uh, want to sign him. We know that everybody keeps on telling us that Arsenal are favourites to sign him. We hear that all the time. We heard of some interest from Bayern Munich just the other day. Is that a, a worry for us? I don't think it is. Um, I've got to be honest, but we'll come on to that in just a little uh, in just a little bit. So what is the latest? According to Fabrizio Romano, Arsenal are going to make their opening bid for Declan Rice after the Europa Conference League final. Now, I did say this to you guys on yesterday's show that I expected Arsenal before I'd read this report or, or heard this from Fabrizio Romano. I did say to you guys that my expectation was that we would wait until that was done and dusted, that we would allow West Ham and Declan Rice to focus on their European final and and not upset the apple cart as such by going in and looking to unsettle their captain and best player at this point. It's not right. You know, maybe there's been conversations going on in the background based on what we've heard and read. You know, it seems like that is the case, but it also seems like those conversations have been going on for quite a while. It's not the time now, though, to go in and ruffle feathers. It's not the time to upset West Ham, particularly if we don't think he's worth the 120 or so million pounds that they publicly are asking for. If we're hoping to get him for around about 90 to 100 million, then we need West Ham to play ball. And they're certainly not going to play ball if we go and balls up uh, their Europa Conference League final and the preparations around that as well. So, uh, that's the latest, according to Fabrizio Romano. Um, Sammy Mockbell, I think, just before we came on to this show uh, a little while before, put out a report saying that Declan Rice has snubbed the move to Bayern Munich, despite them going on the charm offensive and trying to persuade him that that was the place for him. And, and maybe I said this yesterday as well, but again, the reason I don't really fear Bayern Munich in this pursuit of Declan Rice is not because they're not a wonderful football club. It's not because they're not a team that are going to win trophies. They're more likely to win trophies next season than Arsenal are. That's the facts because they play in a league that they've been very dominant in. They've had a dreadful season by their standards, looking at their points returning comparison to previous years and still managed to pip Dortmund right at the end and, uh, and win the Bundesliga title on the final day. So um, it, it's nothing to do with that. For me, you know, you look at Bayern Munich and, and you read all the reports around this interest and we hear that they're willing to pay 
up to 85 million pounds, which is the most they've ever spent on a player. 85 million pounds is not a figure that I think would scare Arsenal. I think Arsenal could quite easily match that. And I think Arsenal could quite easily pay that, you know? Um, so I don't think Arsenal will be too concerned by that. I have to be honest. I think that they'll be looking at uh, around and looking at other clubs and thinking there are other clubs out there that pose a bigger threat to our chances of landing Declan Rice. Also, as Sammy Mockbell reports, and as everybody's been saying, Declan Rice, you get the feeling he wants to stay in the Premier League and you get the feeling that he wants to stay in and around London if possible. Um, I, we talked the other day about the um, the fact that we're not going to tolerate people winding each other up or going at each other in the comments. Uh, one of the names that was flagged to me has, has popped up and he's doing that again. So I'm blocking him. Sorry, not even going to entertain it. Can't be bothered. Not having the experience impacted for those that are here and support uh, regularly. So, yeah. Off you go, mate. Uh, okay, so we've talked following Balogun. We've talked Declan Rice. Uh, Martin Erdegaard has emerged, apparently, over the last 24 hours as a target for Paris Saint-Germain, who we hear today are losing Lionel Messi and are close to signing Marco Asensio from Real Madrid. I think the Asensio signing proves that the Odegaard talk was A, nonsense, and B, very, very far-fetched. They might admire Martin Odegaard. I think everybody admires. My mother admires Martin Odegaard, but she's not going to sign him. You know, that's just how it goes. When you've got good players, they will inevitably be linked with other clubs. Not many clubs could front up the type of cash that would even bring Arsenal to the negotiation table. Although we understand that Arsenal have no interest in selling the player. PSG are one of those clubs, though, and so they will be talked about when it comes to big players. Um, Arsenal, according to Simon Collings' report, which I think we all kind of uh, know and, and and kind of feel quite confident about, have no interest in selling Odegaard and instead are planning to open new contract talks with him. We spoke about this quite recently as well. The fact that those contract talks are set to begin in the not too distant future, that, you know, it could be not just a, a bigger contract in terms of... Um, salary but one that adds some length onto his stay at least theoretically etc etc and so um yeah I'm, I'm more confident of that happening than I am fearful of Arsenal losing uh, the Norwegian who of course um yeah has, has proven himself to be a fantastic captain and had a really 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 uh excellent season um, yeah, I think he's been, you know, I think he's been magnificent. He really, really has. Look, we're going to take a very short pause. Don't go anywhere because we'll be back within about five seconds. So please don't go anywhere. Like, subscribe, get involved in the comments. Check that you can still comment and you're not the one that's been banned. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, get involved in the chat. Uh, let me know your thoughts on some of these stories as well. And we are going to do a long Q&A. Uh, at the end of this podcast as well, which I'm very much looking forward to. But like, subscribe, all the rest of it. Be back in a mo. Welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, of course, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Right, let's talk about our headline story today. The, the, the story that made the title of the podcast. What is it? We normally do these at the beginning, but... Look, it's been such a mad 24 hours 
when it comes to transfer stories and new ones emerging and new names coming to the fore and new conversations ongoing. I had to make some really lengthy notes today. I normally don't make notes. I normally, at best, use one of these tiny little post-it notes and put five or six bullet points about what I want to talk about, and then I talk about it. But today, I felt like there was so much to try and keep up with and try and keep across that I needed to pull out a sheet of paper. And I needed to sit there and at least sort of plan some kind of direction for the podcast, uh, which is what we've done. But as I say, the headline story, the story um, that's made the title is with regards to Leicester City's James Madison, a player that Arsenal have been linked with before. Um, you know, Newcastle United heavily linked with him as well in recent times, particularly since the money started flowing in through the gates at St. James's Park. The, the, the sort of speculation around his future intensifies further with the fact that Leicester have been relegated, understandably so. And according to Fabrizio Romano, Arsenal have an interest in Madison, who will almost certainly leave Leicester City after their relegation from the top flight. So Arsenal might have an interest in Madison, but is this a realistic possibility? Well, I think in the past, one of the things I said was that I felt James Madison and the price that Leicester were asking for James Madison was way too high, way over the top. But they could do that because they were in a position of strength. They were in a position where they were competing in and around the European places. They'd won an FA Cup. Everything seemed rosy at the King Power Stadium. But over the last 12, 18 months, things have been going on a bit of a downward spiral, so much so that they've ended up in the championship. And now Leicester City's negotiation position is, it is far from a strong one. And so, you know, anyone that wants James Madison will feel like they've got a good opportunity of landing him. But what Leicester will be hoping is that they can spark some sort of bidding war. We know the financial implications of dropping down from the Premier League to the Championship are quite big. We know that you get parachute payments and all the rest of it, which is supposed to ease that transition. But we very often see clubs, when they drop down into the Championship, have to clear the decks. And particularly those who have sellable assets, you know, they they go to the negotiation table and they work out what it is that they can do with them and how they can use their assets and their their sort of value to help manage that transition between the two leagues. The championship is an unforgiving league. You know, there's a good chance Leicester City comes straight back up again, but there's a good chance they don't as well because it is that type of division. It's very, very difficult. Lots of games, 46 games in the regular season plus the playoff games if you make it to the playoffs as well. It can be a long, old slog. It really, really can. Even when you're playing football manager, being in the championship is a bloody killer. So I can only imagine how mentally draining it is for you know somebody to, to go and play in that division, to be playing that many games and physical games and in, at times, some horrible places as well. Uh, but anyway, I think Leicester City want to spark a bidding war. I think that that is, you know, you're Leicester, you're sitting back. Okay, James Madison isn't going to want to play in the championship again. So what do we do? We're going to move him on. But how do we make this work for him and us? Predominantly us, because we're the football club. You go and you 
try and gauge the interest of clubs that you know in the past have had an interest and bring them to the table. Play them off against one another. Spark your bidding war. And there you go. Sit back and let whoever is willing to pay the most money have him. I wonder if this interest, if it is indeed genuine, has increased off the back of it seemingly looking like Mason Mount is going to go to Manchester United. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But is James Madison an alternative to Mason Mount? Is he better than Mason Mount? Is he worse than Mason Mount? I'm interested to know what you guys think. And that's why I've put a poll up in the live chat, which I'd love you to get involved in. Would you prefer Arsenal signed Mason Mount or James Madison this summer? 85% of you currently from 120 votes have gone with James Madison. 85%. I'm wondering if that's partly, even subconsciously, because you know that Mason Mount's preference is not to come to Arsenal. I just wonder how much of a factor that is in the results of that poll. But what I would say is, is they're actually quite different players. I see Madison as a 10. Now, I know a lot of teams don't play with 10s anymore. And what they do is is push eights into more advanced areas or ask 10s, as Leicester have done in a lot of cases with, with James Madison, to go and play right or left in order to facilitate what their abilities are and their strengths, but also to try and prevent from sort of their their weaknesses being a problem structurally for your team. James Madison, for me, has got more flair than Mason Mount. He's probably going to score you more goals than Mason Mount. He's probably a better set piece taker than Mason Mount. He is, and I think MM sums this up brilliantly in the chat, more of a final third player. I can I, I couldn't have put that better myself. He's a final third player. But my worry with somebody like James Madison, plugging him into our system now, is that he wouldn't be able to do a lot of the other bits, a lot of the other work that is required by, in particular, our left eight, because Martin Odegaard is our right eight. Now, I've said it many a time, you can't get away in games against the very best playing with, Odegaard and Ma- and a Madison, for example, and then leaving a Thomas Partey or even a Declan Rice in the six alone. There needs to be that balance. And one of the things that Arsenal's midfield has or had, depending on what you think his future looks like with Granite Xhaka, is a, a, a very offensive-minded player in Martin Odegaard, someone who's a little bit in between in Granite Xhaka and then whoever's sitting in the sixth position being first and foremost about plugging the right holes and, and building the, the game up through the thirds, etc. Madison is a, a final third player and a player that I really enjoy watching when he gets in on when he gets on the ball in and around the penalty area. But I wouldn't trust him to go backwards. Mason Mount for me is the opposite to that. I would actually trust Mason Mount to put in the hard work and to have slightly greater defensive instincts, therefore not impacting the balance in our midfield. But at the same time, you know, the Mason Mount price, first of all, that Chelsea are publicly demanding is madness. Man United are always going to overpay for people. They've done it for as long as I remember, right? I remember being a kid and thinking, wow, they spent 30 million on Wayne Rooney, who was a kid himself at the time and hadn't really proven anything yet. 
I remember when they signed Rio Ferdinand for a crazy amount of money. Now, a lot of those signings worked out and fair play, but they were they always, as a football club, have been willing to go that extra mile. And Chelsea will know that. If Chelsea do have to sell Mason Mount this summer because a contract cannot be agreed between him and the club, they want to get as much money for him as possible. And they will know full well that Man United is, is the prime candidate to deliver that type of money. Mason Mount as well, apparently, has um, you know chosen Manchester United. That's his preference, etc., etc. So then is James Madison a good alternative? Because we know that Arsenal had that interest in Mount. You know, we, we've heard it from the likes of David Ornstein and various others. I just, you know, I'm answering my own question, but I want you guys to answer the question in the chat as well. And I'll take your responses in just a second. Is Mason Mount an alternative? So I beg your pardon. Is James Madison a good alternative to Mason Mount, given that we liked him, but that he looks like he's going somewhere else? And the answer to that for me is not quite, because I think they're very different. And I think their skill sets are different. I think their strengths are different. I think their weaknesses are different. I don't think any of them is, any of them are, are brilliant all-rounders. But if I had to make, if I had to point to one as an all-rounder more than the other, it would be Mason Mount for me. Ilkay Gundogan is the, the prime example of what you need in this position. Someone that can get forward to devastating effect and really impact games but also someone who can drop that bit deeper, tuck him when, need, when, he needed, uh, when he needs to, has that intelligence, awareness of what's going on and that ability um, to defend uh, when you need them to as well. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure any of them are the real solution, but just looking at that vote, let me just check it out again. 148 votes now, still 86% of you would rather see James Madison. And let me know why. Let me know why in the chat, and I'll pick out as many of those comments as I can. Is it because of the fact that he's more impactful, we think, in the final third? Is it because the price that we know we would have to pay to get Mason Mount out of Chelsea would be crazy, but because of Leicester's situation, we could probably get better value in Madison? I I'm interested to know uh, what you guys think. Let me see. Um what you guys are saying in the chat at Sephiroth uh, says Madison is a far better player and he's cheaper. Uh, Mark Bevan's having a bit of a laugh again. I'd take Madison over Odegaard to be honest Well, the rest of the league wouldn't. Um, so you can go support Leicester city as well. And, uh, and then you can watch Madison every week and you never have to watch Odegaard. Who you seem to complain about in uh, every single stream. Uh, Gunner Deja Vu says Mount is the stereotypical bang average British I've overhyped player. I don't massively disagree with that. Um, that doesn't mean he's a bad player, but he is. I mean, when I say I don't necessarily disagree with that, I mean that I don't think he's a terrible player, but I don't think he'd have got half the love he did, the opportunities he did if he wasn't a British player. I think there's this tendency and look, it's not just a British thing, right? Uh, you know, I'm Greek and I see it when Greek players come through in Greece and they're playing for Olympiakos, for example, and they've got a Brazilian midfielder next to them who's in another league to them. But the love will always be for the Greek player. When you look at the way Serie A is covered, the Italian players will often get greater love than some of the others. I'm sure it's the same in France, Spain, etc. I think Mason Mount is is someone who 
is a very decent player and a very good player, in fact, but isn't doesn't have the capacity to go beyond his current level, is my opinion um, on him. Anyway, um, Mohamed said Mason Mount uh, will be making a mistake joining Man United. He could be a good fit for Arsenal or Liverpool or Newcastle. Uh, Cass says, to be honest, I think Madison would suit Newcastle and I think he'll end up signing for them. Yeah. Yeah, good point. Uh, Wandering Minstrel says, uh, in reference to Ilkay Gundogan, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, his age may be against him. Yeah, of course. Um, he's 32 years old, which would put a lot of clubs off. He's going to want a big contract because I'm sure he's on one at Manchester City. And at 32, you know that one of the things he'll be looking for is a slightly longer term deal, which is apparently where the breakdown is at the moment between him and Manchester City. He wants a three, four-year deal. They're not willing to give him that, understandably. But at the same time, you know, sometimes you have to go that extra mile, as I say, to get the player that you want. So, for example, if Arsenal signed Ilkay Gundogan on a three-year deal, which took him to 35, you might write off that final year anyway and just give it to him for the sake of it. Um, but only really feel he can do a job for a couple of years. It's it's one of those things where sometimes you just have to go to greater lengths to get the player that you want. Um, I mentioned uh, that Mason Mount has uh, apparently agreed personal terms with Manchester United. Now it's just about an agreement being reached between Man United and Chelsea. And, and as I say, if you're Chelsea and there's one Premier League club that you want coming in for your player who you feel you could squeeze the maximum amount of Man United would be right up there, probably even more so than Manchester City because Man United have this desperate need to to get better and this desperate need to to progress. And as a result of that, I think they've spent frivolously in recent years. Man City will have a valuation in their minds of what the player is worth and won't go beyond that. Very rarely will they go beyond that. I know people talk about how much money they spent and all the issues, and, and I agree with a lot of that. But, you know, rarely do they go in the 70s, 80s, you know, for, for an individual player. They didn't even go that far for Haaland. Look at, you know, what Man United paid for Anthony. Look at what Liverpool paid for Darwin Nunez. Look at what Chelsea paid for Mikhailo Mudrik and Enzo Fernandez as well. So actually, although Manchester City are, are a big appeal because they're fucking brilliant and they've got the best manager in the world, and you'd be playing with probably some of the best players in the world, they don't, you know, they, they haven't got a track record of being bullied, essentially, or, or being forced into spending any more than they feel comfortable with on any one player in recent times. You want to join us? Fine, come and join us. If you don't, then see you later. And, um, and that's why I think, again, I'll repeat the point. That's why I think that, um, what's it called? Uh, that's why I think that um, I've I've forgotten what I was going to say. I, I completely gone blank. I don't know what I was going to say. But yeah, that's why Chelsea. I think I was going to say this. That's why Chelsea, when it comes to Mason Mount, looking at his contract situation, where we're rubbing their hands together at the fact that Man United have shown an interest. Okay, going to take a couple more stories and then going to take loads of your questions to so start getting them in the chat box as well. Um, actually, before I move story, let me just take a couple more comments on this because there are loads 
coming through. Uh, Mark says, having a conventional number 10 like Madison would give us options. I agree with that. He would give you options in the attacking third. But I think there will be games where, you know, particularly in the Champions League away in Europe, we're going to have to be that little bit more sturdy. And with Granit Xhaka, for example, playing in that position, we were able to just drop him that little bit deeper and change the dynamic a bit when we needed to. With Madison, can you really do that if he's playing in that position? Or would he be a squad player? In which case, though, you've got to think about what you're willing to spend uh, on him as well. Uh, Mohammed says, for me, I would always consider Madison as a marquee signing. He's top quality, can change games with assists and goals. Um, it's a golden chance to sign him now. If he goes to Newcastle, I will be gutted, says Mohammed. Uh, Guillermo Denis uh, on Mason Mount is uh, not keen. He says there are so many players in Europe with Mount's qualities. Sefiroth says Madison would be a superb squad player. He wouldn't demand game time. and He's very good with set pieces and can score. Another thing is he wouldn't affect our budget. Um, yeah, but again, th that would depend, wouldn't it, on who else is in for him and who we're up against uh, in that situation. So, um, yeah, let's see. Uh, what else have we got? saw a good one uh, here we go relax co would you say mount or madison are an upgrade on granite hmm. uh a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this but probably not um not on the version of granite that we saw this season because of his versatility his ability to do various different jobs because of his leadership i think that both of them obviously are younger and that means that they're probably safer investments right now. Um, and obviously, you've got to factor in that the Granite Xhaka story is probably ending at Arsenal because he wants it to. So if there is any question about his commitment to the cause, now I'm not doubting his professionalism. He's always tried his best, even when, you know, it felt like the whole club was against him. But, you know, they obviously don't feel like it's right to keep hold of him, to force him to stay. But equally, they're not going to sanction a move away until they get someone in. But are any of them, you know, are any of them a, a massive upgrade on him? No, probably not. Uh, Junior Garcia says, you're ignoring the fact that Mount has won the Chelsea Player of the Year award two years in a row and played a massive role in Chelsea's Champions League run. No, but no, I, I'm not ignoring that, Junior, because I'm not saying that he's a bad player. I'm saying that when I scroll through social media or speak to Chelsea fans, who all seem to be pretty emotional, by the way, about this Mason Mount potential exit, I believe that a lot of that emotion comes from the fact that they feel connected to him because he's a, you know, he was a Chelsea youngster and he's a, a local, you know, young sort of representative of, of Chelsea Football Club. I genuinely think that that's a big part in it. I think fans do develop attachments to players for those reasons as well as what they can do on the pitch. Never said he was bad. Never said I wouldn't like him at Arsenal. I've always said, in fact, when it comes to Mason Mount, that I would consider him if the price was right. Now, what is the right price for Mason Mount? In my head, given his ability, the situation he finds himself in at Chelsea, with regards to the contract, for me, he's worth right now 40 to 45 million pounds. If you can get him for that, then I'm all for it. Go and do it. Not a problem. And I think, as I say, 
He would be able to play in a multitude of midfield roles. You can even play him from one of the flanks if you got desperate. I think there's a lot to like about Mason Mount at the right price. The problem is I don't think that you would be able to get him at the price that I believe is the right price. And I actually think Arsenal would believe is the right price as well. I think Arsenal were hoping that they'd be able to take advantage potentially of the situation between him and Chelsea. But if uh, Chelsea are demanding a, a massive amount of money, and if there's another club out there like Manchester United that are willing to go that extra mile, then let him go. Let him go there because it's not one I'm going to lose sleep over, is what I would say. Let me take a couple more of your points and then uh, we'll move on. Tony Smith says, why don't we let Arteta and Edu pick the players? I mean, ultimately they do, mate, uh, which is great um, because none of us have a bloody clue um, what we're talking about. Stan, the man, is a big backer of uh, Mason Mount. He says, if we brought in Mason Mount, you'd soon all forget about Granite Xhaka, a massive upgrade. Uh, Jacobs, though, uh, says, uh, why is Mount getting so much coverage? Not very worth it, to be honest. Interesting, interesting. Okay, let's move on to another story. Oh, there's another few stories that I just want to quickly touch on. Arsenal being linked with Wilfred Nonto, who's uh, been playing his football at Leeds United. Looked like a bright spark at times, but just sort of dwindled and faded towards the back end of the season, as did Leeds United in truth. Um, but this is a story from Calcio Mercato. I think Wilfred Nonto ends up back in Italy. I don't think Arsenal have any interest um, in this. And uh, and I don't see this one as being a goer. So when I said right at the top of the show, one of the things you've got to figure out is, do these stories make sense first and foremost? The Wilfred Nonto one for me makes no sense. Not entertaining that for a minute. Not at this stage anyway. Uh, Arda Guler is a Turkish player, young player. Uh, it's been dubbed the new Mesa Erzil. Arsenal have been linked with him, according to reports from Turkish football. I don't know anything about him. would be difficult for me to sit and deliver some type of assessment on him. But of course, if that story gathers pace, we will do a little bit of a deep dive into him and try and learn a little bit more. Uh, Elie Wahi, um, young Montpellier forward, is also being linked with a move to Arsenal as well. Now, this is another one to me that doesn't make any sense. And I'll tell you why this doesn't make any sense. Because if you read the story about Elie Wahi, and I think I've said his name right. In fact, let me bring up his profile in front of me right now. Hold on. Elie Wahi. Let me make sure I spell this right. Uh, 20 years old, centre forward, market value 25 million euros, according to Transfer Marked. 32 appearances in league and uh, scored... 17 goals and provided six assists um, and, uh, yeah, participated in 37% of their total goals this season. On the surface, looks great. But how does this make sense when we've got following Balogun on our books? Why would Arsenal sell a striker that they've been developing for a long time, that they know inside out, that has gone over to France this season at a younger age than Elie Wahi and scored more goals than him to then go and bring in this player. To me, it just it just doesn't add up. It, it just doesn't add up. And people say um, that the reason we're being linked is because we're, we're selling uh, Balogun because Balogun wants to go. Yeah, maybe, you know, but Balogun's still under contract for another couple of years, as far as I know. And so 
you know, we don't have to do anything. Uh, we don't have to do anything. The, the point I'm trying to make here is that we'd be taking even uh, an even bigger gamble on signing this guy. And to do that, we'd have to sell someone that we're slightly more sure of to raise the funds. So it just, again, you've got to look at these things um, logically. And I know that people say that Balogun wants to go, well, convince him otherwise. Promising the game time that he deserves. Make a decision on Eddie Nketiah. Will it be one or the other? If it is, and you think Balogun's the real deal and Nketiah's not, then we've got Eddie Nketiah on a five-year contract. And I promise you, if you put him up for sale, there'll be plenty of clubs that bite at Eddie Nketiah in the bottom half of the Premier League, maybe even slightly higher. Because he came in and did a very, very good job when we needed him in that season that's just finished. By the way, speaking about the way the season ended, I did record part two of my season review um, and uh, the audio came out terribly. I think there was a loose wire while I was recording it and there's a load of buzzing on it and I tried to salvage it. I can't. So I'm going to re-record it tomorrow. Uh, so that is coming. Uh, don't worry. I haven't forgotten about it. I know it's probably going to be a painful listen and, and some of you won't want to listen to it anyway. But seeing as I've done part one, I've got to make sure that part two goes out uh, as well. So, um, yeah, uh, Elie Wahi from Montpellier, apparently um, being linked with a move to Arsenal as well. Right. Let's do Q&A. Let's do a, a good 10 minutes, maybe slightly longer Q&A uh, right now. What I want you guys to do. Um, is drop those questions in the live chat. Proper cue at the beginning of them. It really, really does help. Uh, where are we? Where are we? We've got 100 likes on the board. Way over 300 of you watching. Can we get that up to 150? That'd be amazing if we could. Um, but yeah, get those questions in. I'm going to take another very, very short pause. And when I come back, we're going to take your questions. Jesus, man. Darkness has descended upon the man cave. I'm freezing. I've got the door wide open and the window open. And I don't really want to just leave the stream midway through to go and close it. Luckily, I've got this hanging on the back of my chair. So I'll stick this on uh, for now to keep me warm uh, through the remainder of the show. Uh, right. What have we got here? Um, let's take this one from uh, across the pond. Uh, Sasha Bowie, the right back of Galatasaray says we've made an offer and and it's been declined so far what about him maybe Fresneda is off to Dortmund so first of all when it comes to Sasha Bowie I'm not sure that we have made an official offer yet um just based on on what I've heard I I don't think that that's that's as advanced as Arsenal actually going and making formal offers for Sasha Bowie he's a player that's highly rated Tom Canton's done a Wonderful breakdown on him, which I think you should check out uh, on his tactical breakdown series on the Guna Talk TV. You'll very much enjoy it, I'm sure. Go over and have a look. Um, hard for me to really have a strong opinion on Sasha Bowie as I haven't really sat and studied him just yet. Um, Fresneda, again, another one that we were heavily linked with prior, but again, it never really materialized or turned into anything, did it? So yeah, I'm um I'm not sure about either of those two, to be honest. What I saw from Mikel Arteta at the end of the season, in terms of the way he was using different profile of players at right back, makes me wonder if he would be in the market for a Sasha Bowie or a Fresneda. I've I saw somebody say that Fresneda is like 
you know, the, the Spanish Zinchenko. I don't see that in the very limited action I've seen him partake in. I've got to be honest, I don't really see that in him. So I don't think there's much in that. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see um, to see if we do go after any of those two players. I think we do want defenders this summer and I think we'll bring defenders in. But yeah, um, time will tell if it's one of those two. I, I couldn't give you any more information on that. Uh, Lynn says, Harry, what do you feel about Saliba rejecting the new contract? I don't believe the story, Lynn. Uh, first and foremost, we talked about it a little bit yesterday. Um, to me, it feels like, uh, you know, a bit of a nonsense. And and I found, I was told yesterday, later on in the day, uh, after we re- recorded our pod, actually, that um, that, that was an old offer. The, the £120,000 a week offer that was being reported was actually an old offer and it was no longer on the table and that negotiations had progressed way beyond that. So not too worried about his situation, not at this stage anyway. Uh, Tom says, wouldn't signing Cancelo allow Zinchenko to take on the role Xhaka was playing? Yeah, it could. Um, You know, when we brought Zinchenko, I was under the impression that he was coming in as a midfielder. Actually, no, let me correct that. I was under the impression that he was coming in as someone who could play both of those roles. Left back if we really needed him to from concern around Chiarantini's fitness, which has been a problem from the day he joined the football club, barring really this season has just ended. Sod's law that he stayed fit when Zinchenko came in. Um, But yeah, he, he hasn't played in midfield once for Arsenal this season. And on that basis, I can't say with any degree of confidence that he'd be pushed into midfield in the event that Joao Cancelo came in. I think one of the appeals of Cancelo is that he could play right or left back and and do it equally comfortably. I think he's that good. Um, Had a falling out with Manchester City. Obviously, the type of money that Manchester City want from Bayern to make that deal permanent is crazy. But I think if the summer progresses and and Cancelo's stuck and given that his relationship with Pep has completely broken down, there might be an opportunity there. And if there was, I would take that. Because I really, really rate him. It wasn't too long ago that I was sitting here saying he was the best fullback in world football. Not a lot has changed in terms of my opinion on him. Um, I think Mikel Arteta could get a tune out of him and I think he could be a great acquisition if that deal is possible. But again, a bit like the Mason Mount situation, it's one of those that only makes sense if the price makes sense. And I know that Arsenal need to build and I know that Arsenal will have two or three players in mind that they're going to go that extra mile to bring in. But... There will be opportunities this summer. A bit like the Zinchenko thing came up, you know, an opportunity. Same with Jesus. These were opportunities that Arsenal took advantage of and um, and obviously reaped the rewards from them over the course of the season as well. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, guys, don't forget to leave a like. We're trying to get to 150 likes. We're about 30 or so away at the moment. Come on, let's get it higher. Let's improve on that. What are we doing? It doesn't cost anything. It's dead easy. Just hit the like button. Um, doesn't cost you a penny. Anyway, uh, let's go back to the comments. What else have we got? Um, Tom also asks, and it's kind of a linked question. Can you see Arteta playing Caicedo um, as an inverted right back? I read this report from a colleague of mine over at Night Min a few days ago, and I thought, Nah, nah, I don't, I don't see that nonsense. And then we lined up 
against Wolves with midfielders at fullback again. So I, I, I'm not saying he'd be brought in specifically to play that position. But one of the things I asked Mikel after that game and based on the answer he gave me was this feeling that he's worried about what happens when Arsenal lose one or two members of their backline because he's just seen their entire season unravel as a result of it. And so he wants to have flexible players and he wants that flexibility to be able to drop a Partey or a Caicedo, for example, into left back and for it not to be a problem. So I think he could use him there. And that will be part of the plan for him if we do land him this summer. But I don't think he'd be brought in specifically to play that position, if if that makes sense. Um, Mark Bevan says, there's only three people watching. According to your screen, I think you need to fix your screen, mate, because it's missing a four and a three at the end of that number three. Um, anyway, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Moss says, Harry, how come you didn't play in the media Arsenal? small-sided matches. Tom Canton did a video scoring a pen with no keeper. I told him next time to score with a goalie. I didn't get invited, um, is the truth, Moss. Um, yeah, I didn't get invited. Um, yeah, I, I would have loved to have gone, obviously. Um, it would have been a dream come true to have a little bit of a kick about on the Emirates pitch. I mean, I get gassed when I'm just standing by the side of it when I've done a few uh, shoots and stuff down there. But um, I might, fingers crossed, get an opportunity to do something similar down at the Emirates Stadium tomorrow, Friday. And if I do, I'll uh, make sure to make some content out of it and I'll share it with you guys. Fingers crossed. Don't want to jinx it. Uh, what else have we got? Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Let's take a few more. Let me just scroll through. I'm going to pick a couple at random. Uh, Nexus says... Harry, hope you're well. We must go for dinner and discuss Arsenal this season. You up for it? Yeah, I'm always up for it. Um, I'm I'm always up for meeting you guys. I, I always say I bumped into a couple of you at the Tollington after the game on Sunday. And and I, the first thing I always say is like, man, like <laughs> I don't get to see you guys' faces a lot of the time. So it's hard for me um, to recognize you. And sometimes people look at me and I'm like, is he looking at me? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's Harry. Uh, how's, how's it going? Nice to meet you. And I'm like, yeah, shit, I don't know what you look like. So I'm not being rude. I just don't know what you look like. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, brilliant. Um, going back to the Zinchenko point, Shacklebolt says, what do you mean, Harry? He has been playing in midfield. He's just a left back in formation. Yet what I mean is he hasn't been one of our midfield three. I really thought he was going to be that when we signed him because supposedly Granit Xhaka had left already and had already signed for Roma, which is, again, why I've been reluctant to really go big on the Xhaka story as well. Because you just don't know, do you? You just don't know. Funny things happen in football. Let's see what else we've got. Tamina Ahmed assures me that Caicedo is coming to Arsenal. I'll take it. I'll take that every day of the week. Uh, Amira says, um, we've criticised Edu for both not selling well and not getting our first choices. If he sells well this summer, gets rice, but still misses out on our other first choices, would your judgment of him change? I haven't really criticised Edu for not selling well personally, to be honest with you. I think as a football club, we've not sold well because of the mess that we created before that, i.e. overpaying for people giving them stupid contracts, 
uh, big salaries that made them unappealing to to prospective buyers. And I think we're quite finally out the other side of that now in that now this is Arteta and Edu's group predominantly. And so if we continue to sell badly, then I'm going to ask questions of Edu. But up until this point, you know, I've I've kind of given him a pass on that because I feel like, you know, he's had to deal with the mess created by the previous regime. Um, in terms of getting our first choices, you always want to land your first choices. Of course you do. But I'm also not naive enough to think that it's only in our hands. You know, for example, we've heard for weeks and weeks that Arsenal have been interested in Mason Mount. Now we hear that Mason Mount wants to join Man United. And it looks like Man United are willing to pay more money than Arsenal are to get him. And someone might be your first choice, but things can change. And if the circumstances change so much that it no longer makes sense for you, then you do have the ability to walk away. And there will be situations where you get gazumped. We had it with Mihailo Mudrik, for example. You know, we were willing to pay up to a certain amount. That's how we valued him. But Chelsea were willing to go further. And sometimes you just have to let these things go. You can't constantly go toe-to-toe, toe-to-toe with these clubs that have been incredibly frivolous in their spending and that are going to suffer for it at some point or another. So, um, yeah. I'll take this one finally from uh, Crusader, who says, is this the most difficult market for getting Premier League proven players? I think there's a lot of teams out there this summer, and I've said this, I think, a couple of times over the past week. There are a lot of teams out there who need to strengthen in similar areas and therefore are looking at a similar group of players. And that makes it difficult because it makes the market very cutthroat. It makes it very competitive and it makes it very difficult to get the deals done that you want to do all of the time, particularly when you're up against clubs that have equal or greater financial strength than you, then it becomes an issue. What I would say is that, you know, sometimes you have to look outside the box. And I do believe that the club are doing a lot more of that than the reports would tell us. I think it's easy to recycle news. And I think we get a lot of that during transfer windows and you have to be wary of that as well. Um, it is going to be a difficult market. But as I've, I've said before, Arsenal are in a great position now. They had a season full of promise. They're moving in the right direction. The feel-good factor around the place is back. And people all of a sudden look at Arsenal being back in the Champions League as a very, very big and attractive football club to play for again. And we might not finish second next season. We might finish third. We might finish fourth. There's a possibility that that happens. We might not even make the top four if things go wrong. I'm not saying that we should be aiming for that or, you know, accepting that. What I'm saying is that that is the reality of football. And so you have to strike while the iron's hot. And right now, this club is a massive appeal to so many. So go out and do the deals that you want and capitalise from the fact that you've had a good season. Use that to your advantage. Don't dilly-dally. Don't get caught on your heels. Go out and move for the players that you want first and foremost. Throw all your weight behind it, not just financially, but in terms of selling the club and selling the project. Do all of that now because we haven't had it this good in a long time in terms of us as a brand and as a product being able to go to players and saying, you want to be a part of this. Arsenal's always been a big football club. And at times we've heard our directors and various others talk about the different knock that Arsenal has. Yeah, well, that knock over the last few years sounded a bit shit, if we're being honest, in comparison to what it used to. Now it sounds a little bit stronger and a little bit more appealing. So, yeah, 
um, let's go out there and, and do the business that we need. Fingers crossed. Right, guys, we've been going for bang on an hour. Thank you so, so much for tuning in. Apologies again about the times being all over the shop. But it really can't be helped sometimes um, just due to work commitments. Uh, we'll definitely be back tomorrow with some more content in one form or another. Keep your eyes out on the YouTube channel for YouTube shorts. Uh, going to be doing a lot of those over the course of the summer as well. Um, used to do them, stopped doing them. Uh, hadn't done them for ages and then decided to do one yesterday. So uh, put one out on William Saliba when I heard that news about, um, the, you know, the truth around that contract offer. So I wanted to share that um, with you guys. And, and you know, sometimes we got one line, one bit of news, and we've already recorded the podcast. We're going to end up just doing a short. But, you know, if you are subscribed to the YouTube channel, have your notifications turned on. You ain't going to miss those. So uh, you want to do that. If you're an audio listener as well, uh, do check it out. Guys, thank you so, so much. I did want to say a big hello to someone, actually. Uh, I want to say hello to Bibbs, uh, who says, uh, first time joining the show from Nigeria. He's been an audio listener for a while, and he says, love what you're doing, man. Thank you uh, so, so much, mate, for your kind support of the show. I will see you all tomorrow. And um, until then, enjoy your evening. Um, do what you do on a Thursday evening when there's no football to watch. I don't know what I'm going to do. Probably going to end up getting dragged into watching some kind of chick flick or something. Oh, terrible. Anyway, catch you soon. Take care. Until next time. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.